Hey everybody, this is the parental advisory sticker on the front of this episode. It is still PG-13, but the language is a little stronger than normal. But like the stickers we had when we were kids, it means this is an episode you've got to listen to. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. Jason and I are presenting you a special episode today. We are here with a couple of guys who have one of the most kick-ass podcasts I've listened to in a long time. Stop um, it. Keep <laughs> I'm I'm serious. I was I was jazzed at the topic and you guys you know, you satisfied. It was awesome to take a listen to that one. I had not heard of it before. And when we started listening to it, I was like, wow, this is, I could, I subscribed immediately and immediately started going. So we are here with Ryan Gibson and Alex Collegian. Did I get that right? The pronunciation, right? Yes. Well done. Sweet. So these two gentlemen both have a long history in the movies going back to time when Alex came up with the show, created the show that a lot of you have heard of called Project Greenlight. It was hosted by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And it basically put a search out for guys who wanted to be directors and writers and made that happen for them in kind of a ever like, you know, contest. And since then, they have gone on to produce and direct multiple movies, and they have just started a podcast this past July where they talk to other folks in the movie industry about that moment that they got the green light. And that so the name of the podcast is How I Got Greenlit. Take your time right now to go search it up on your podcast app, hit the subscribe button, start at the beginning and work your way through all of the episodes. They are fantastic. Yeah, leave stars. <laughs> yes. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, yeah. We've Five come to fi- yeah, we've come to find out recently how important that is. <laughs> so hey, let's yeah, let's start. Me. Let's start at the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. What made you guys decide to do this podcast back in July? Same with you guys. I mean, actually it didn't start in July, it started airing in July. We uh we also are film lovers and filmmakers and and during the unaforementioned time dark times before now we were bored and inside and no films were being made and you know certainly doing our best to write scripts and do what we can do on our own but it just you know we we miss the we miss the the friction we miss the i mean half the fun of shooting a film there's a lot of downtime is just bullshitting with other filmmakers and sharing love of film and uh, you know any bar you go to with more than two filmmakers there's going to be a debate about a movie or some sort of like did you see so and so did you check out that shot or you know just it always goes there and so we miss that camaraderie and obviously miss the work but we could do this on a podcast and it just kind of started as like a hobby and something to keep us busy and talk to our friends and then their friends heard about it and they wanted to talk to us and sort of taking on a life of its own but and we you know we we partnered up with this company next chapter podcast who found out about us through a guy named Robert Capadano, who's a producer of the first season and a good friend of the show. And 
But so it's, you know, everything's kind of coming together. They say, do what you love. We really love doing it. We love bullshitting about film. We love learning about film. A lot of the challenge of the show is we ask people to bring on a film to talk about. It's not just a hype show, which is, it is, it's clearly in the title. It's how I got cool. And don't you want to be cool too? And 10 easy steps. I mean, there's a lot of that, but we wanted to bring an influence, you know, it is an art too. And so the part of the format that's kind of grew out was this thing called the B side, which is an, you know, an old guy term for when you buy an old record, the A side was the, the single that you wanted to buy. And the B side was like another song that they give you. So a good example is, you know, the Beatles, you buy, I don't know, revolution on the back would be like glass onion or something obscure, more obscure. So in this case, when I go home, you know, we're both Midwesterners. When I go home to Chicago on the winter breaks or whatever, and my uncle is like, eh, what do I got to watch? You're, you work in the movies. I got these streaming shows. What should I watch? What's good out there? You know, so I, I'd rather turn them on to the conversation than The Godfather. They've either probably seen it or, you know, it's like if you like The Godfather, you might want to try Dementia 13 or whatever, you know, so trying to turn people on to more obscure films that are equally good, but just didn't get their day in the sun or whatever by a director, you know, and that's what the B side aspect is, is, you know, and they all have them. So our first show, you know, Spielberg, I would probably pick out ET or jaws as the first choice. So we did close encounters, which weirdly to my generation, I thought that was also an A-side. But when you talk to kids on sets like we do, I mean, half of our conversations are, you whippersnapper PAs should see this or that. Or, you know, hopefully they're coming to us and saying, what should we do, oh, guru of my life? But usually they're like, what? Rosemary's baby? What's a Rosemary's baby? <laughs> and that's a problem when I'm telling a crew that I want to steal a shot from Rosemary's baby in a film I'm directing. Right. And they don't get what that means. So that means that when I see complete wholesale theft in a movie, like I saw in Hereditary, and I'm looking at you guys that made Hereditary, I love that film, but I saw Rosemary's baby. And let me tell you something. You're no Rosemary's baby. You're <laughs> the, Easy. See, there's you're another old movie. reference. Just no, no, you're a good movie. reference back there. I, I, and, and I don't think, I don't, I don't what, think anybody's going to remember that. Hey, have you ever heard of this term stolen valor? All right. So that's when somebody wears a, a uniform, like either wears a whole fake uniform or sort of vaguely hints that they're military when in their dress or they wear like a purple heart or whatever, and they never served or never got a purple heart. And then they get busted later. Well, it's like that. It's when I see how much hereditary lifted from Rosemary's baby. And I look around the audience, like, well, we all know they caught that whole thing. Right. And everyone's like, Oh, it's so original and awesome. I'm like, it's an homage, but like our culture doesn't get homages anymore because it just, there's so much spew that like in 20 years, it's just buried over by the, you know, like in Rome when they build, they dig subways and they find another 20 feet of like civilization. There's so much pop culture. Now you say Rosemary's baby. And then, but here's the good news. Okay, boss. And then they come back the next day. Cause you can get it anywhere instantly. And they go, Oh dude. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll be like, like, like that, try Chinatown, you know, I mean, that you're on, you're off to the races. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, I was just saying we've we've been going on this looking at the biggest hitters from the last 40 years and the one thing that we see over and over again is what you would call an homage we would just say they just stole it right they just they took something like we did a, we did an episode on Bon Jovi and talked about how he and Richie Sambora just sat on a box of tapes and just were like oh I like this one let's steal it I like this one let's steal it and that's what everybody does I mean the the good artists create the great artists steal and that's okay because as long as you're making it your own that's that's the beauty of the artistic process right and somebody you know asterisks asterisks like yes and or yes but I you know, I don't know if I call myself an artist, but I work in a creative field. As my daughter, as I told my daughter not to get a creative degree in college, she goes, well, you went to art school, you film nerd. I'm like, <laughs> so, but, and, but, there's a line in my mind, you know, I, I, and maybe that's my limiter. Maybe that's my problem. I catch myself doing it. But then I try to like do like Danny, like I'll walk backwards in the footprints and like brush away the like <laughs> instead of just copping the whole thing and being the slapping a new name on it. I just feel there's a shamelessness these days that I don't know if it's just a, a, an overall cultural shamelessness on every level. It's the WWE of our whole world. In, in fact, like, you know, people don't open doors, people steal plots wholesale i don't know where it begins and ends but for me personally i'm old school i homage up until theft and 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 that's just me so is avatar a recreation of dances with fern gully a fern gully there you go (laughs) (laughs) well see so that's different that's different because you yeah then you get in the debate about terminator one it was really our limits and, and and there's some legal questions in there too and songs do it all the time where there's a a quiet co-writing that's added later when somebody sues somebody you know like i think that avatar is so archetypical as to like say you might as well say he stole it from a cave painting like the it, it it's really 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 I think he, I mean, I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think it's, it's purposely archetypical. So you can watch it with no language. You can watch it with no film knowledge. You can watch it with the rudimentary story knowledge and you go, ah, you know, the only difference is a six-year-old will see it and then he'll read, I don't know, the Odyssey later and be like, Hey, they stole from James Cameron. I mean, that happens. I, but I, I think that with those kind of stories, especially with, Cameron's the the response has been so overwhelmingly like Alex and I had a project when there was this whole 3d rebirth of television and you know they started selling tell you know uh, people don't realize that like Technicolor back in the day you know you see Technicolor people are like well what is Technicolor well Technicolor back in the day was a reason for people to go spend a little bit more money in a theater because it was a special print of the movie or 70 millimeter film when we had giant movie houses you know like the, 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 the Rivoli don't forget the Tingler yeah, yeah, and then and there was all of these things, and and it was like first it was sound, then you know black and white, then sound, then color, Technicolor. So we got into this thing with 3D, and and when 3D came back out, and they started selling 3D televisions. Like I don't know, like people who are 
in their teens now. I don't know when the last 3D television might have sold, but uh, <laughs> the people still have them. And people years ago, no, it was. Do you guys remember that whole hype? Or now in 3D, like there was yeah, a no, real. I totally, I totally bought a 3D TV. Yeah. I have. You weren't the only glasses one. Glasses that are sitting at the top of a shelf collecting dust for at least the last eight nine years so so you have this whole audience that bought into that and it was just to sell more gear and more movies buy a movie again in 3d and then but but with the brilliant when james cameron released that movie and alex and i remember we they showed us the trailer we went to real d isn't that where we saw the first trailer Uh, we actually we actually went to real d remember real d i don't think they're still around but well, I, yeah, there's they still have that office over there that we went to. They're still there. So maybe they're still doing it. By by the way, they still put out stereoscopic versions of films every day. It's just not a thing. Like some so, and it's not a thing. But anyway, they were a big company in Beverly Hills. And- we went and saw because we were working on a 3D project and we saw the first version, like the first trailer of that before it was released. And he and I both were like, holy like we were blown away it was clear like it was different and it felt different and it looked different and now i haven't seen the new one yet but i can tell you i have family members who went to see the new one and they called me and said this is one of the greatest movies ever and i i i don't know if that's and these are people who i think have good film opinions i'm not smashing on on avatar at all i it is there are times it is incredible the difference between real life and what cg and the 3d of it all the depth of it all james cameron obviously has this dream and this desire to put out this story that is magnificent in a way but as alex says i mean i'm not going to be as harsh as he is it's not you know, it's it's not Beowulf, or you know, it's it's based on a lot. No, it is Beowulf, but that's what I'm saying. I think he's like purposely trying to make the most recognizable Joseph Campbell hero's journey, thousand faces, whatever. Yeah, yes, with his own, with his own like his his foot or footprint, thumbprint, fingerprint is the blue people in the world and the creatures and his little flourishes that he probably drew in his. Trapper keeper high on like dirt weed. That's fine. Like, yeah. What I'm saying is, is that it is so, it resonates so deeply with even the common man audience. It's simple. It's perfect. Like, I remember, I think it was The Edge or one of those guys, either uh, one of the guys in YouTube were saying, like, we purposely write simple songs. Like, we're we're doing folk songs. We want people to sing along. We want, it's like, it's like the kind, it's like a barroom song where everybody can kind of pick up the, within 30 seconds, they, they know how to sing along with the second verse, third verse. And, uh, and it worked. They were like, we were playing to three people and we wanted to be playing to a soccer stadium. So they, their whole thing was about simplicity for the masses. You know, rock is basically just bastardized Scottish and Irish music, you know, crossed with slave music and some somewhere, you know, Elvis, you know, was the Kwisak Hazrat of that. (laughs) Meaning like it all influences each other. It all feeds off each other. And that's great. I'm not shitting on it. I'm saying 
heredity, hereditary, you know what you did, and I'm, we're watching you. Yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you'd be a good creative person if you didn't have things that influence you creatively. Like, okay, well, that, uh, you guys, you well, gave me a nice segue there. All right, I know that you. I know that you on your podcast that B side that you're talking about. You talk to these guys about what kind of surprising film was big influence. I think it was the man who shot Liberty Valance for great uh, movie yeah. too. Cap Taylor, yeah, mm, yes, thank one. you. The great green light story too, by the way. Anyway, the so for you guys first before we get to that point, let me just ask: Where did you guys? Where'd you grow up? Both Midwest. I'm Chicago. Okay. Yeah, I'm from a moderately small town in Indiana. Okay. So what what movie in your childhood made you suddenly go, "Wow, this is what I want to do"? And oh wait, are you are you reversing the tables on us? Now? <laughs> are you doing <laughs> our show to us? See, just like we talked about stealing, we started right, right. stealing from you guys. This is excellent, yeah, yeah, Alex. You go, you go first. It's pretty boring, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tied, dyed in the wool. NX. So it's Star Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I, I, yes. I, was, I was six. It was a parking lot of a Kmart. It was a black poster that I didn't know anything about. It was the first movie that I saw without my little baby sister because it was too mature for her. So they told her that I was going to the dentist. And I knew nothing about it. And that's that's a fascinating thing that I bring up a lot with people is that between the poster, the trailer and word of mouth, you, you no one goes into a movie dry. Right. Like, you know, something. Yeah. And it's, so it's fascinating to just be sat down in a theater and Star Wars came on. Right. Right. And I had well, seen movies, before, but, but I was like, holy shit, you know, that the ship flies over the whole thing. And I was just the right age for it. Like it was aimed at me, you know, like you talk, you, you hear, you hear interviews with Lucas. He's like, it's a kid's movie. Like stop like pushing it to be, it's for kids, you know? So in fact, and, that's why the, the first trilogy, the one, two and three that came out, that's why the older folks had such a problem with it was because he went back to what he knew. He made those movies for kids and they weren't for the guys who grew up in 74 or 76 watching star Wars. It, it wasn't for them. Right. Well, well you know, he did, he did such a good job with star Wars because it influenced you guys. It influenced us and you know, James Cameron. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the other thing That's about Star Wars is it was one of those, it was one of the first movies where you started to have the behind the scenes making of stuff that went along with it that everybody was able to see because it was just, I mean, everybody was so amazed by the special effects. They were like, they, there was a desire to see how was this done. And so for guys like you, Alex, you probably not only saw the movie and ate it up, but you probably saw the making of and were like, yeah, this is, this is great. How do I get back there and do this? I, I also want to say, I, th I I don't know if people realize this, but all of those guys who worked and, and gals who worked on that film, they worked on almost, and Alex and I have talked about this, It's we love this part of the business, is that they worked on everything after that. Like, they influenced so many movies, Battlestar Galactica, 
Star Trek. All of those guys worked on models and aliens. Dykstra vision. So there's a great, for those who love that, the answer is yes, yes, yes. There's a new, well, new-ish. I think it's Kasdan directed it, Lawrence Kasdan. It's a doc series about this called Behind the Magic or whatever. And it's I, the story of ILM. And I had seen most of that stuff in other kind of chock-a-block ways, but really nice. Some footage I'd never seen. Origin story stuff. Yeah. You know, just a shitty rental garage in Van Nuys and just like a, a wing and a prayer. A lot of a lot of timing, stupid stuff, and all those artists coming together, it shouldn't have happened. Like, it was just this, like, errors that just added. There's a reason he didn't direct for 20 years. It was so scarring for him because it was so stressful, and everyone kept telling him, you're going to fail, you're going to fail, you're going to be bankrupt. I mean, he, he put everything on the line. He put all his money from graffiti into it. I mean, it just it was a complete gamble, and it paid off. And there's also a doc by Vice Media about that's a little bit of the, the not, you know, because I think Disney didn't to Disney Plus extreme. to the extreme. Does it have sleeve tattoos? All right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the Disney Plus one, obviously, they're not going to do anything or say anything that influenced the, there's not going to be any negative or darkness in that but vice oh, did well it was, it was just it was cuddles and sunshine most Dijkstra and lucas were at each other's throats. they want yeah the vice one goes into like they did not end on a like dykstra was like okay this is all my shit so i'm going to they go just to cleared out the shop one night i mean it was ugly now <laughs> like in the disney one they're all like like even dykstra was like Mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> Which okay. one is Marshall Lucas? That's the most important question because the, vi- the vice, the vice doc guys. That's exactly what I said. I think I want to, um, the vice doc yeah. has her there's, interviews there's her big Marshall Lucas shaped hole in that whole like that sucks know, party history. It kind of felt like when you see Stalin and a couple other guys where Trotsky was once standing. <laughs> The vice, the vice doc ends on her. It's like a three her or six. Like- it's even. It's even. It's more. It's so sad. She looks in the. She's talking to the interviewer, and it's. It's just a talking head thing, and she says, "I know that I'll that he and I are going to die, and we will never. This will never be resolved. We will never have talked about it because he will not. He." won't at all he won't engage she doesn't exist in fact if you there's you know stories and look i george lucas to me obviously i mean he's you guys i mean he's a huge influence and amazing artist to me it's i would just say that my blanket statement is like as we know more and more about our beloved artists they're artists. They we now, no, we now have a choice, a curatorial choice as an individual to decide what we want to know, what we should know, and maybe just start with the art. If the art inspires you, let the art inspire you. If you want to go down the rabbit hole, it's so easy to, but almost inevitably, the deeper you go, there's something you don't want to know. And that's, I think, everybody that's- has their flaws. 
Yeah, there's it's a digital version of never meet your heroes. It's like never Google your heroes. Like there's going to be something somewhere that offends you. And uh, I, I I get it. It's just it, it, to first no, of all, if if we can operate from the assumption that no one's perfect, then no one's perfect. And if someone's perfect, I want to meet them and I want to see their art because it probably sucks. Because flawed people make good art. So there you go. So, That's and, there. Yeah. And I I think also like Lucas. I mean, we've all been in love. You know whatever your choice of love is love lucas in love and he got he's his heart was broken man i mean in his whatever yeah whatever happened in that family he clearly suffered a broken heart and it killed him and his only way he could deal with that was and that sucks because she was a huge creative part of making star wars what it was i do truly believe that look the man documented the whole third act was was you know yeah and, it and just look, it could just be as petty as he doesn't want to share credit, by the way. Well, there was there was some ILM stock option grumblings with Marsha and stuff. So I think she, I think I think she actually ended up I think she actually ended up getting the property up in Marin. And she had to sell. She sold it back to him, or something. Oh, Skywalker! Like yeah, was, was she got it in the? Yeah, that might make sense. But and Alex. So, Alex Anybody brought- who's been divorced, like I can only imagine how painful that is for everybody. So it sucks. Alex, you know, brought up a point about you know he reinvested. Like if you know anything about his line producer and how that whole relationship. I mean, he had to take everything to make Empire. He had to take like he basically funded that movie. Right. Bank of he had to go to Bank of America and. It's a he. No, it was, the same, it was the same story. He made all the. Here's what. Here's the worst thing you can do is is go to Francis Coppola for business advice because <laughs> he went and he bet he so he made him he he had he had a failure with THX. He had a huge hit with graffiti. He took all the money from graffiti and put it into Star Wars. It paid off, right? And then in order to maintain autonomy. Empire is like the greatest independent film of all time. I mean, it that is. was absolutely without a checking account money. And then he hit the wall because he spent all his Star Wars money and he still didn't want to give percentage to Fox. So he took out a loan. So this guy, you know, I think what he learned from Coppola is I don't want to be under anybody's control ever. And his line producer was tactically not telling him financially what was going on and that they were bleeding cash all over the place and they were buddies i mean this all goes we're just kind of rehashing the doc so i i don't want to do that but yeah it's, uh, it's worth seeing it's great it, it's it, both of them are good really good it's all process and, and it's amazing and it's it's like catnip for me totally like <laughs> the behind the scenes stuff yeah for me my awareness was they would do the that's entertainment documentaries in the seventies where it was like the old thirties and four, you know, Fred Astaire was like 75 and he'd be like, I remember dancing in, you know, MGM and you know, they do those things. Yeah. That was about the level of the behind the scenes. Maybe you'd see a big boom with like Gene Kelly ducking or whatever. But when the star Wars stuff came around, it was process. Right. It was Harry Housen. It was it was process. And I was fascinated by it. And I know that 
there was some voices in that camp that were like, we can't, the epic ship flying over their heads, like you can't show them that it's a little model or you'll lose the magic. But I believe like that is the magic that right. somehow the, we know it's fake. It's a magician trick, right? It's an alchemy trick. It's a, you, we know in our logic minds that that's a model and they're doing a pass over it and da, 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 but it just, it's a ship. By the way, all of that now gone, but most of it gone, but the people who brought it back and that wasn't that long ago. That That's not that long ago. We're talking about late seventies, early eighties now. And I'm not criticizing CG or whatever, but when you saw uh, Lord of the Rings and they brought back some of that model process in the early two thousands of using miniatures and models, how much better that's. Yeah. How much better did the mix look when you used models? Now you get Battle Beyond the Stars. Well, Phantom Menace used practicals. <laughs> That's what nobody knows is that he used a ton of practicals. Right until he got that because he couldn't get the CG right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but, but look, the, 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 in reference to this ILM thing, it's fascinating when they're playing with like epoxies and clay and 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 shit. World War Two model kits. World War Two, yeah, like like bomber kits and like whatever. And then slowly, like all the weirdos with like glue heads would get phased out. And it was just a, a room of servers and nerds at, at, at workstations. Right. And then it's boring. So like there's two more episodes after that. I'm like, and then we learned how to lasso and use Photoshop. <laughs> and John Null came in and I'm just like, whatever, done. I want to know about the weirdo in his garage. And even they looked more weird, like. The wizard looked, I, I can't remember his name. He was the guy who did like the Tauntaun. He was amazing go motion, stop motion guy, but he looked like a wizard. He had long beard, long hippie ponytail. Sounds and then you see the new guys come in and they're like computer guys. You know, yeah. I, I'll think of his name in a second. It's, it's not, it's, it might be Tippett, but Phil Tippett. I think, you, I think I it was Phil yeah, and he's in it, and he's like the old wizard, and he he cops to like, yeah, I finally had to learn Photoshop. Or By the way, I think he I think he just died recently. Really, I think so yeah. too. Yeah, so yeah, I think um, he died right before Christmas. And it's a lost art, and you see it like come back now and again. Like I thought the Fountainhead was pretty cool because he did all like opticals and weird trippy stuff with that. That you know, but you know, and. Having done a movie last year that uh, has yet to be released yet, or a year and a half ago, that involved a puppet, and I pushed very hard producing this movie to make it practical. Are we, are we talking about Slaughterhouse here? Yes, <laughs> Slaughterhouse. Okay. Yeah. I, I I I caught it. I saw it on your IMDb, and I was like, "Oh, this looks actually this looks really pretty good." <laughs> yeah, I'm it's a, for it. it's a it's a it's a. I, I hope I hope it's as funny as I thought it was <laughs> at, at the time, but it's a killer sloth that 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 li that lives in a sorority. I love it. It's it's so it's so it's so good it's so goofball. But yeah, we fought really hard. We worked with the guys who did who did like the horses for the last samurai and just a really excellent group of guys. And, but it's not cheap doing that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's you, it can be cheaper, but it's, it's tough. And so it's really sad. I mean, it's not sad. It's the way the world is. It, it sucks that there's not more financially put into those 
art, the guys with the model kits that are breaking stuff down and building stuff by hand, but stuff takes time. But it takes time to model a freaking spaceship in a CG. Yeah, I mean, it's all tools. It's it's artisans. Like you look at the 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 credits of some of these movies now they just go on for days you know i mean yeah. i can't wait you guys if you ever get out to la in the next couple of years lucas is literally building a corellian starship right downtown it looks have you seen it alex no have you, he lucas is building his museum to star wars right next to the uh, right next to the uh, a stadium downtown right next oh. to the and it oh, looks like I, a yeah that shows you how often i go downtown I it looks it, like a corellian battle uh, like a park landed on earth and it's right by the <laughs> memorial coliseum it is unbelievable i can't wait to go in that thing because it's going to have all the like the whole retrospective of everything he's ever done can't wait. Yeah, that'd be fantastic Speaking yeah. of podcasts, I was listening to Bruce Valanche talk about the making of the Star Wars holiday special. I didn't realize that he was a writer on that. So that Valanche is got two claims to fame: the the Star Wars holiday special and Hollywood Squares. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, I you're... a lot of Oscar stuff. He he did a lot. He did a lot. He yeah, was he behind the scenes. Also, he was in the awesome movie. I think, he, and we were just talking about this before he came on. I think he was in the most incredible movie ever made, Ice Pirates. He was in Ice Pirates. <laughs> ice yes. Pirates. Wow. Oh my gosh. He was yeah. totally we did a we did an episode on the Star Wars holiday special and he came up. He was he freely admits that he was so absolutely coked out of his mind that he's surprised <laughs> that it that anybody at CBS passed on what was supposed to be a kid's show. They couldn't help it. That it was the star. It's this mania that takes over our the the industry, as it's, it likes to be called. That once something gets so popular and it's so hot, and Alex and I we had an episode where we talked about, or or maybe we were just talking about secondhand is uh, Battlestar Galactica because all those model makers moved on from Star Wars and just did Battlestar Galactica. Right, right. And they and Lucas sued the didn't Lucas sue the shit out of them. I think he sued them and said it was a hey that's it was, it's got stars and wars in it, buddy. So <laughs> shut it down. Yeah. yeah. So like any when they when that mania takes over that financial windfall and like Alex said, Fox didn't have a huge stake in it, but they made so much money because it was so incredibly popular that you just are like okay what what more can we squeeze out of this you know you could juice. squeeze a disco hit yeah disco hit <laughs> yeah the r2 i had records that r2d2 and c3po like think about how much did you have star wars I have that record. come on this john, was, i mean this was the that that record has the first appearance of john bon jovi he shut is, up he it's is true you can yep. see him in the credits it's and it's spelled like old style like giovi like yeah. the italian style it's was he playing on it or singing he's or singing it? and he's got the, he's, he sings he, r2d2 we wish you a merry christmas yeah <laughs> <laughs> how loud did i never well no, i this, mean so it's already been a fulfilling day his cousin or his uncle or something uh, like that was a record producer and he produced it yeah yeah i think uh, Famous the main thing that one of the big schisms I heard with uh, Gary Kurtz and Lucas, who was the original producer on the first couple films, was 
Kurtz was like an old school SC guy. He's like, dude, we're not making films anymore. We're making kids toy like advertisements. And he's yeah. like, Shut the fuck up. you know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Then Lucas was like, I'm going to keep the toy rights. Thank you very much. I well, that's what he did. The, the main thing that out of the first movie that he pulled off was the, uh, the, the licensing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that saved another him. gamble on himself. Yeah, another gamble, another another bet, and uh, that was the real cream in the of the profits for him. That that paid for the second movie, paid for the third movie. I mean, he kept it in the family, and now we Legos. And oh my God, this is the Legos, Star Wars Star Wars, Star Wars just, show. Sorry guys, sorry. So okay, okay. So, so anyway, please forgive us. We'll reel it back in. We'll reel it back in. Let's. I think Ryan was about to trash Battle Beyond the Stars. By the way, keep going. Oh, thanks for thanks for keep. Yeah, I you, I wasn't gonna trash it because for some reason I had a love for that show. But when you go back and watch it, like a lot of look, that you have to you have to know your your film history. You have to go back for younger folks. I am always like Alex said earlier. I'm always surprised at what they haven't seen. Like it just we're all I'm like, can you believe Alex? Can you believe they haven't seen this? Like like movies from the nineties. Right. Uh, like I'm like, what? I can't believe it. Because people born in 2000 are 22 now. So it's like it's not a thing. But yes, you go back and watch Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> I just Battle even Beyond as a Stars kid, I remember thing. I remember thinking no, that ship has oh okay. That ship has boobs. That's the only thing I <laughs> that ship had breasts. And who doesn't want a battleship with right. <laughs> I think it was being a little too suggestive for the younger folk. But yeah, I was gonna mention that it doesn't always work out when you put models and story together. It, it, I think my point was Star Wars looked Star Trek. If you go back and watch the first Star Trek that scene where kirk and scotty fly up to leave the space station and fly to where they're assembling the or reassembling the enterprise i think that scene takes about eight minutes and there's no dialogue it's just kirk it's just william shatner shattering the the stuff out of (laughs) this crushing it with his distant stares and his coy smile yeah but it's the music guys it's the and music, the music I, I was getting to that and the score is when you and i don't know if you guys have ever made like model movies or anything like that when you see a pass of your monster without the music it's dead i mean watch dead. <laughs> i mean watch indiana jones with no music watch star wars right. with no music. like right. lucas will always give john williams or johnny my, my favorite part of lucas and spielberg is they always call him johnny hey johnny he's <laughs> like i see you out there johnny you know like five-year-old man johnny but will never be another one johnny I, I williams is the secret ingredient to all those movies and they cop to it you know yeah. Hundred percent, absolutely. (laughs) Sorry. First line of the Star Wars script is "war drums pounding," so like I think he knew. And and by the way, you want to talk about theft? Go listen to the Planets by Holst, and tell me about Johnny Williams, right? So, but in that case, that's a good example of a director came to him with temp music and said, "Like this," 
and it was it was the planets right? which which so, by the way behind the scenes is how every commercial score happens. Yeah, i mean that's what it is hey here's the stones well we can't afford them i know larry that's why you're gonna do a thing <laughs> for for a long long time and probably still today in post-production the tron soundtrack has played over uh-huh. almost every ad or yeah. film <laughs> there's certain songs that people are like do not use this <laughs> it's like temp it's so popular they're just sick of it yeah the 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 this the tron the new the reboot of tron or the, it's so good by the way it's it is, a, yeah it's a, it is i agree i agree uh, yeah, the, the new tron was daft punk Yes, it's the Daft Punk, the Daft yeah, Punk album. Daft Punk, that album, that soundtrack is one of the best ever for for a movie that was just kind of okay. Of course, the yeah. original was Wendy Carlos, which again was, I mean, that was monumental. That you take that music out and it's a really weird kind of badly animated movie. You put I get chills. Carlos movie music in the first one, and it's it's magical. Yeah, and the video game like eight bit adaptation of the Tran music is is very even that's iconic. Yeah. I, I get I get chills thinking about the first Tron. So it, it is a it's a fantastic. It's shot I, I in black it. and white and hand colored. Yeah, yeah, it's their faces in black and white. It always used to. I'm like, why is their face in black and white? Yeah, and the, well, it gives it that it gives it that old screen appearance, right? And they that's that's the old. They were the contemporary artist team that did like the Black Cauldron and that Don Bluth kind of latter-day disney 2d crowd that was like the dinosaur fox and the hound fox and the hound those guys were in there like tinting painting you know adding all kind of weird flourishes that gives that movie a real bespoke touch that you just can't recreate even like xanadu has that same oh yeah xanadu by the way 70s movies that are influenced by art deco Cause it's like, that's 40 years ago for them. And the eighties is 40 years ago for us, you know? Right. Makes that's- sense. By the way, the, the black cauldron, if you haven't seen it, one of Disney that almost closed Disney animation, almost shut them down. That was almost the death of them. And if you haven't seen it, it's not the original version that the director wanted to have, but it is on Disney plus. You don't have to dig for it too hard, but it was not available for years but that movie i think was in development for 20 years i was i remember this is kind of funny that you should you should say that i've never heard anybody else talk about that i remember seeing black cauldron in the theater as a kid and of course this is when vhs is coming out and you know you can go get the disney movies just a you know a year or so later after they've been in the theater and absolutely loved i mean a little kid and black cauldron what i was like this is this is one of the best movies i've yeah, ever seen scary. and like, then it never came out it was yeah. just like why can't i find this movie and for yeah. like you said years and then literally what has probably been within the last 15 years that it became available right yeah well it, i don't think it was it was i don't think it was ever released on vhs or dvd until the 2000s in the like 2010s wow. i think it, it was it was pretty much song in the south yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. By the way, hey. By, by the way, way I, I saw a song this. I saw it in the theater. Yeah. I I know that it's. Uh, I got to be careful what I say, but I really I remember loving that yeah. movie. 
Great song. I, I can remember watching that great one songs. on Sunday night. Great songs. With, yeah, yeah. With Walt Disney Presents. Yeah. yeah. I was on well, ABC. It was on ABC, uh, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. It was on ABC. Yeah. Man, yeah, God, right. you can find um, a German copy out there probably. About it. That's it. That's true too. Like the time machine I want is I would go back to 1979 and I would buy Disney and Marvel for $14. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Collectively. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. We, I got to talk to, well, I, you know, if you go back long enough, I basically worked for Disney my entire career and various, like my checks would just keep coming from the same dungeon. So through various, like, (laughs) Dungeon. My favorite was when Miramax would pay people from a company called Zamarim, which was Miramax backwards. Anyway, right. so yeah, Disney's a fascinating just cultural icon. Somebody told me yesterday that uh, Mickey Mouse is up for public domain. So yeah. they that should have been 30 years ago, and their lawyers have just been throwing feces at the supreme court for 30 years and delayed it for that long and eventually somebody's like guys like (laughs) we gotta gotta go every jan one there is a guy who does a youtube or releases a list of all the open all the public domain stuff that comes out it if you want to look at maybe where things might be headed like films down the road in the next couple but, yeah, of years. What you're going to see a, a, a dark reboot of. Yeah. Tar- t- take a look at that list. It's a really well, he, inside look. By at, the way, you guys forgot there's going to be a half a billion dollar black cauldron 12. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> it is based on something though. With Weta digital and uh, the sword makers from, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> What's funny about all that is like, when you see these reboots and the nobody knows what the core property is, like at what point, it, what's the point? Yeah. It's so yeah. far. It's so far from where they it's started. So far away. Like I, I, I collected comic books feverishly for like 10 years of my young life. I don't even remember guardians of the galaxy. No, but, right. you know? yeah. no, I, yeah. I got Deadpool when it very first came out, I got episode, I got issue one. I was collecting comic books mid nineties in my twenties, but yeah, the, a friend of mine was saying the other day, he's a, he's, he's the creator of damnation. If you've seen that series, he was also a writer on Meyer. And anyway, he was like, I don't understand why everybody's remaking all of the stuff that already has a history to it that's that's well received. Why doesn't somebody come back and make something in a different way, like stop or my mom will shoot? And I was like, huh. <laughs> Could you make that as a gritty crime war? <laughs> Would that work? Could you do that? And anything's on anything's on the table. If you can <laughs> figure out a way to do it. And you know, Alex and I have a friend that we've worked with in the past who were directs for universal and part of their part of his job is they will go back into the universal vault and in this, right, Alex, go back. Into yeah. The yeah it's the, I forget that the, there's a sub company within basically. Yeah. It's a library. It's a dedicated unit to exploit library stuff. I guess it was the direct-to-video department. Now it's the direct-to-streaming, but basically it's, you know, 
part four of Scorpion King part five. Like you, you haven't heard of them, but they do well enough to justify their existence and maybe overseas. And, and they make movies. He makes, he directs three, four five movies a year based on that back catalog. of. Yeah. I think their latest one is what's the weed movie that Dave Chappelle. Oh, half baked. Half baked too. Still baked. I don't know. <laughs> the other half. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So I, again, like, yeah, I don't, I, I it, it's all like this consensual illusion, let's call it, right? Where I, I don't know who cares about some of this IP. Either they're before us, they're dead now. Or they're us and we're adults and don't give a shit. Our kids haven't heard of it. It's just, who who is this for? Who are we pleasing? The ghost of some redstone? Like, I don't know who we're speaking to here. And is it just lawyers saying, well, you know, we got got the Harvey catalog. Let's bring out Casper, the motion picture. I mean, I don't (laughs) know. Universal's getting ready to take another shot at Dracula with Nick Cage. So here's what's funny about that trailer. I was aware of that script. That was kind of like a hot whatever, like good example of, hey, Dracula's in the public domain. What can we do with it, right? So, but when I heard that cast, I thought Nick Cage was going to play Renfield, which is really the lead. So oh, I thought, yeah. ooh, that's fascinating. Like I would have taken that cast and I would have put the pretty boy as Dracula because he doesn't age, right? And I would have put Cage as the put upon assistant Renfield because when you look at all the various staging including the book Renfield is a is a Nicolas Cage role yes master Eh." you know it's it's he should be playing Igor in a movie not I don't want to see him as Victor Dragonstein I want to see him as Igor I want him to look weird and creepy and ugly so that was a misfire when I saw what they did I'm like no 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 the the other you had it you had it let the pretty boy play Dracula, the Frank Langella perfect hair guy, and then let Nick Cage go bananas, eat bugs and act like a rat and do whatever. Right. You know? So. Okay. So, guys, your show, your podcast is called How I Got Greenlit. Comes, I am assuming, from the show that you guys started back 22 years ago with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Is that right? Is that kind of the the spawn of the idea? It was, it's not technically affiliated because that's a property of all rights reserved, et cetera, et cetera. I understand that. Uh, this is... Uh, in the same realm, it's an homage to that space. It's it's what we like. I said it's really it's what you guys do. It's just we we love we love movies. We work in movies. We're influenced by movies. Our our movies changed us. We like to know how they got made. We like to know how people got made. We like to know how films made people. I just think it's as much as I try to quit it. You know, this cowboy keeps riding me. I can't, I can't get away from it. Like I'm actively trying to get away from it because it pisses me off to no end. And 
Like Let's talk about the good side. What's the what have what's the thing that you've loved doing in the in the industry in the last thirty years? There is no better feeling than seeing like something in your head, like on a screen. You know, it, it, it's just it's a very magical moment, and it's therapeutic. I mean, the film that I directed had some autobiographical elements, and I'll be honest with you, I let go a lot of the emotion of my divorce and the making of that movie. There were scenes that were like word for word arguments and things like that. And I remember our, our wardrobe person was like, wow, you were in that scene. Like I saw you, I was watching you. I wasn't watching them. And you were like in that. I'm like, yeah. So when the movie was done, like I was sort of done with that chapter of my life. So there is a, like a, an actual like therapeutic thing, but I just love every, I'm sure Ryan will say the thing. I love every piece of this miserable, shitty business. I love the history. I love the ambition. I love the ruthlessness. I love the glamour. I just, I can't get away from it. Like I watched the golden globes, like just, kind of pissed off and kind of like jealous and kind of confused and like is this the same business i'm am i in the same business as these people it seems so far away sometimes i don't aspire to be there anymore i don't want to be in a tux i want to be in a set you know like i want to be dirty and making shit and uh, do you know what i mean like i'm in it for the right reasons sure yeah and a lot aren't it's just I, you know, the long and short is I love every part of it and I hate every part of it. You know, like, I, I was thinking the other day, movies are life. They're absolutely life. You get it. You, you sometimes get assholes and you sometimes get beautiful people that inspire you and make you want to go be a better person. And movies are the same way. Tell me about, tell me about you since, since it's your, your title, how'd you get greenlit for your, for your movie? <laughs> so how did the green lighter green light himself yeah. basically well it's a funny story so green light came back and we were rebooted as much as i should on rebooting i love it when i get <laughs> so that's exactly what happened i got a phone call about six years ago these guys that I'd never met before, third party pr production company that loved Greenlight. One of them was a former Greenlighter guy. He worked for Chris Moore at Live Planet and he found these money guys. And then he, and he got Matt and Ben back involved and they came as a team ready to go. And I said, what do you need from me? And they really didn't need much. They were pretty all buttoned up. They needed some, a digital partner. So I knew some people and. I got Facebook to do all the the the, the contest back in and all the shit because before we had to build a website and that was a whole expense and rigmarole. So now we just partnered with Facebook and they put up a good chunk of money. And uh, I got a good check for doing very little. And so I said, all right, well, why don't I, this is my investment in my film. So I just gave myself, it was a year's pay if I like, you know, live pretty frugally. So I spent a year learning how to be a startup business guy. 
and like put a business plan together and hit up high net worth individuals to invest in a, a single purpose venture entity, blah, blah, blah. And I thought I was a business guy. So I'm like, ROI and da 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 and like turning <laughs> off. And they didn't give because it's like you don't have you don't have an artist be a businessman, right? So but I started hanging out enough with them enough to see, well, you're rich and you don't need to work anymore. So what do you do? And ah, you know, go on vacation with my buddies. And I, well, what is that? You know, oh, we go fly fishing in Alaska. You got to get the boat. You got to get the thing. You got to get the private plan. And I'm like, well, what does that cost you? I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 grand a guy. I said, great. How would you like to have another life experience that's just as exciting, but you don't have to get <laughs> get eaten by a bear he's like well what's that i said be a movie producer you go to sundance you have a filmmaker badge you go behind the red velvet rope you you get a chair with your name on it you get pictures with starlets that they're like where do we sign up so really that's good the pivot of don't sell it like a shopping mall in greensville indiana sell it like an experience that a rich guy's never had and they started calling other guys in the meetings well there was always lunches and dinners it was never a meeting you know what i mean it was it was schmooze fest or whatever and they would call bob bob you gotta hear this guy tell him hey bob yeah 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 you ever been a movie producer before like that and so it just took on a life of its own once i figured out the emotional appeal of what we were selling, which is a not very smart investment, but a heck of a life experience. That's right. And it was all a drama. I mean, the, the best part was I only raised half the money doing it that way. So we hit January, we hit December 15 and I was short and Ryan and others were like, you can't make the movie. You can't make the movie. And there was one final venture group out of chicago and i went to a bake-off where you like you and four other guys pitch a room full of potential investors with a powerpoint and a greed is good greed is good <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and i gave him the song and dance that i'd perfected over the years and or that year actually and we got the money on like december 29th so i made it by like the hair of my teeth and we shot so ryan gave you the okay then huh? yeah yeah i mean well <laughs> there's a whole other drama where it was it was technically enough but not for the movie i wanted to make so i had to cut like what was it 25 pages in like a couple days or something and anyway yeah. it's called high voltage go check it out it's it's we're proud of it it's it's a lot of fun it's just it's a good example of like you could uh, with a little more money and a little more time. And it was a great life experience, but all it did was make me hungry to do another one. There was no satisfaction of like, <laughs> okay, I did that. Now I can move on to my pottery career. Like I was just like, I need more crack. Wow. What a concept. <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd be amazed to find out that a lot of independent a lot of independent films are a menagerie or collective of dentists plumbers or funded by dentists and plumbers that's, and well, that's the blood simple story with the cohen's was that he sold it to they sold it to a bunch of dentists it was a limited partnership so that's yeah. the fun of that and i i certainly could go do that again but now we're trying for something bigger and we're actually 
fingers crossed maybe this year we got we got money for a bigger movie it's an action movie it's uh, it's called firebird it's a it's a car movie about a car that runs on water and it's a lot of fun it's a chase movie and uh, we're talking to like a lot of awesome actors that I'm huge fans of and it's really gratifying and it's another challenge here's the one like caveat I'll say to everybody is we meet these incredibly successful people and we're like, so it, it, is it easy now? And they're like, no. Yeah. In fact, it's harder because my house is bigger. Right. That's actually familiar. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, no. By know? the way, Cameron, James Cameron did exogenesis with dentists. So if it's good enough for yeah. him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and we all, we love dentists. Dentists are very, very well-funded a highly suicidal co- cohort coincidentally i don't know why uh, and uh, no check it out highest rated highest highest uh, highest, highest support of suicides in the pop general pop, gen pop is uh, dennis yeah second is attorneys nah! <laughs> i'm just saying well, i mean like after but my what about attorneys that do podcasts yeah. what's that number i think they're a lot happier Exactly you know, I've seen so much on dentistry. I need a dental attorney. Do you do that? <laughs> dental attorney. That's a specialty. That's a specialty. That's more money. We'll get down to the root of that. No, I, I, <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Okay. So the high voltage yeah. rock and roll movie. Are yeah. You, are you a musician? Yes. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yes, I am. I have been, you know, first of all, let me clarify, amateur, just completely all the way, just aspirational. My, I played in various bands and my role is always the guy who's happy to be there. And you need one. I'm the worst player in the best bands, but I'm like, wow, isn't this awesome? And the better (laughs) they get, the more jaded and bored they are. So they really do like having a guy like, wow, man, could you, could you play that? like that Eddie Vedder thing. Can you play that Eddie Van Halen, whatever? And they love that because they're all so bored and over it. So I was in a band years ago. Strange story. I was married, you know, picket fence, house in the suburb, you know, the house that the house that Harvey bought, the, the two kids, the golden doodle. And so what happened then is I'm the guy who made green lights. So every, and the suburbs would come up to me and be like, hey, you know, I'm a plumber, you know. They, you ever think of doing like a, like a, like a plumber show? I mean, I, I can't <laughs> tell you the shit I've seen. I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And and so this guy, so I get that once a month. So a friend says, my my buddy's a music producer. Maybe you want to do like a Project Greenlight about music business, blah, blah, blah. So I, I went to lunch with the guy. He was a total character, New York, like fast talking promo guy. But uh, he was a neighbor and he said, oh, this is fun. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. But come over. I got a bunch of guitars. We want to jam. And I'm like, careful. I'm the guy that takes you up on that. So went over there, was playing some riffs and songs that he liked one of the songs I wrote. And uh, we recorded it. And it was cool. I was like, wow, man, thanks. He's got a recording studio in his house. And he produced Poe, if anybody remembers that indie band. I so remember Poe, yeah. The next day, he sends me a finished track with a girl singing lyrics to this song that we just laid down like tracks to. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And he's like, dude, I was just mixing it when this girl came in. I was supposed to do her her demo or whatever. And she loved it. And she wrote 
like lyrics and it's really good. I'm like, holy shit, it is really good. So we formed a band and we recorded an album and we were playing around and opening for people and we were going to go on tour. And uh, he fell off the wagon and made, you know, went back on Coke and she took me you know, made a pass at her and she freaked out and left town and the whole thing was over in like three days. <laughs> it was very exciting. We were, right oh. on the, we were on the radio. I mean, it was like, it was cool. Life so, so I got I got to ask this now because of Ryan's reaction. So having gone through the process of producing a movie with the guy who's just excited to be on stage with everybody else that's about being <laughs> on stage, would you have had that reaction before you produced this movie or is that just the result of having gone through the process? I need to re-ask that question. <laughs> Do I need to <laughs> no, I, I, there's one thing that we're always very proud about you know how i got greenland and and our you know alex and i have been friends for 20 on coming on 20 years now coming uh, on we, yeah we uh, we don't they're in a church for the love of god <laughs> god can, that's a direct line right there you've already dropped 30 f-bombs <laughs> it's okay i'm editing yeah we always we're always very truthful with each other and we have this uh you know ig and ook kind of relationship or i i don't know if that's the term i'm looking for but anyway no i um look ego is always a big part of <laughs> the, this, <laughs> i love i love alex like a brother he is an entertainer as well as a director and uh, and he you know my biggest issue with the whole song thing was that you know i made i made quite a few movies over the past few years and it's hard this is a hard deal you set up a company that makes one widget and you spend you know we've talked about on the show you spend not the five weeks or six weeks shooting it that's an independent film if you're lucky you get that much time yeah we got you're 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 with it for three or four years Mm -hmm. and alex the original script that alex wrote was a way more sci-fi time travel like it was a really cool script that got obliterated because of budget because of budget and also unfortunately maybe not great advice on certain levels but this is all a part of it's the movie that you write the movie that you shoot and then the movie that you edit this is something we always talk about and you yeah very much so yeah and so my concern with alex and his songwriting and i do like look i i'm not I do like his music. I do, but to put that much pressure on yourself to write the music, I think that's your question is to write the music, have it recorded and performing, and then do everything else, including fundraising to do is too much pressure. Now I was, you know, I was a younger producer then, but even then I knew that for him to harness. Now I, I will 
I would bust his chops and say, oh, you just want all the glory because you just want to be able to control everything. But the truth of the matter was, I will say that to bust his chops. That's the truth of the matter. Also, it is is huge, <laughs> huge ego that needs constantly fed firewood too. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that the weight of doing all of that stuff is incredibly tough. Like, Number one lesson is to, I did too many things. And, and I, I'll give you an example. The, this fella, this character I was telling you about that I went to his house and we jammed. So cut to 10 years later, I'm making a movie about us and I have to get, I'm going to use our old songs from the old band. So I call him. He said, yeah, cool. Great. I'm like, all right, I'm going to send you this. Hold on. Hold on. He said, absolutely. No problem. I'd love to get the old songs out there. This is like, thank you so much for redredging. We're brothers, brothers to the end like this. I haven't done anything with this music. Then I'm going to fill in the rest. Okay. Cut to days before shooting. Hey, yeah, no, literally, I'm at tech. I'm at, I'm at Technicolor doing camera tests three days before we're shooting. You're, gonna, you're going to have to pay me twenty. 10, I want ten percent of the profits of the movie and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, wow. And so we had. To, said, how can you do this to me? He's like, because you gotta. That's how. Yeah, and so the 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 issue with that was one of our first days was we rented one of our locations was renting a really pretty famous music place where people rehearse and where the instrument rental like where the stones go to practice for the world tour. Yeah. And the next one sting was booting up his. Yes. He was next door to us. And and look, they were very, they're very nice people and they're great. They didn't charge us an arm and a leg, but it wasn't cheap. And we were doing the music that day. One of the key songs in the movie and we had to do it basically to a click track because we couldn't use, because we were being held ransom. Yeah, so the whole movie, like that's the good news for the for the for the performers is if they know the song, they can get in the jam. All I could give them was a tempo, like this is going to be a slow one, this is going to be a fast one, this is going to be the approximate like beat, and then later retroactively went into a studio with some musicians. And but here's the here's the best part. The best part is the songs were better. the The crucible of that pressure made me write better songs and they were all mine and they were in collaboration with great musicians that were just happy to help. And I got to be friends with them and the lead guitarist who's absolutely amazing. I highly recommend go on Spotify and look up high voltage. It's great. He's a, he's a genius guitarist. His name is Owen Barry and he was a sweetheart he taught Arquette how to play guitar. He eventually was guitar- Arquette's like for the for the solos. He was Arquette's like hand double. It was just a great, great experience. Sweet guy, you know. And then you know he he'll he'll just he'll disappear for a week. I'm like, where were you? He's like, I had to learn, you know, thirty songs from Nana and played to a soccer <laughs> stadium. <laughs> guitarist broke his thumb like he's just that guy wow. he just he just did a world tour of the dixie or sorry the chicks that were once dixie you know 
Like, like he'll be like, oh, I got to run. Billy Gibson wants to jam. And the, the, the guy from ZZ uh, Top, yeah. So, you know, I can't help myself. This new movie, I want, I want him again for the soundtrack. And what I'm going to do, because it's about a car, I'm gonna make the. I'm gonna make it like Peter and the Wolf. Yeah, this this is not. This is not. This is R is the guitar. It's not happening. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm getting a clear idea of the roles that that you two play in this process. That is awesome. Hey, look. You know what? It, 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 the thing about it being a producer, you know, I directed commercials back in the day. I've I've won awards and done. You know, I've been in the seat before. I know what it's like. I will say, and you know, Alex has supported me on some of the stuff that I've directed. You know, a producer does not have a job without knuckleheads so you know because yeah. we're just waiting yeah. for the we're just, just waiting for the them problem. to set fire to the carpet <laughs> and then you have to solve like the only reason why a producer exists is because every hour of every day there's a new problem and yeah. you can't go ah why is there this problem it's supposed to be so smooth you can't be that way you just have to go well you got to figure out a way to solve that problem yeah or more I, like that's why we're here if there is no when i when i produce and people grouse to me. I just say, if it worked like well, we would. You have, wouldn't like. We need a producer. Yeah. I needed. Shark I needed. Is not working. <laughs> Shark is not working. <laughs> I've exactly. I was on a few years ago. I did. A, I produced a movie, and we needed a sixty. It's very specifically a sixty-five Corvette, or I can't remember six. Like the first year, sixty-four and a half, whatever they're called, red Corvette. It was the morning of the shoot. We needed it first up. I got to set at like 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. And they're like, hey, where's the car? And I'm like, car? What car? And they're like, the Corvette. And I was like, and you have to figure out a way to get a a, a very specific Corvette to set in like two hours. And you, you can't do that everywhere. So you just have to solve problems. That's why you have a job. I know we only got you for like two more minutes, but let me, we're, I want to throw these, these things out here just as for our listeners. So what we hey, do, guys, our, guys, can you just give me, I got, I got someone at the door. Can you just give me 30 seconds real quick? Yeah, sure. Go, okay, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, go for it. So how did you guys meet? What was the, what's your origin story? We lived in the same neighborhood. I, uh, at some point, you know, met Jason because we had kids that are the same age. And I don't remember. I think basically some neighborhood kid saw me with my shirt off and said to my wife, your dad's gross. And so I was like, oh, I got to get back in shape. And so I started working out and Jason was like, hey, are you running? And I was like, no, I hate running. No, no, I don't want to run. And he goes, come running with me. I was like, OK, but we got to do it at night when it's not hot. And then we go out to run. I'd run like a mile just to kind of warm up before I would work out. And he's like, we're going to go too. And I'm like, man, okay. I just telling you, I'm not afraid to quit. I will quit running. (laughs) I will. And so he's like, okay, well, I I got a route that I go and we go out of the neighborhood and there's a hill in Oklahoma. There's a hill. And I'm like, how did you find a hill in Oklahoma for us to run up? And so we run, we go up, we come back down. I didn't quit. And he was like, how do you feel? And I said, well, I'm tired. 
And I said, but I guess I'm really not any more tired than I am after I got nowhere else to go. (laughs) (laughs) And so basically that spawned me deciding, hey, let's just see how far I can go. Because if I'm just going to be the same tired no matter what. And so we would, every week I would add two more miles. So we went three the first week, five the next week, seven the next week. And so when you're running that far, you got to talk and we talked very easily. And so we, we of course, started talking about the stuff that we had in common, which was movies and music from the 80s and 90s. And yeah. so at some point, he says, you know, we're start, we start talking about Thriller. And I'm like, this is the greatest album of all time. He's like, well, yeah, except for Bad. Bad's better than Thriller. Was, <laughs> Dude, are you smoking crack? Yeah. So then fast forward 10 years later, I'm in a different neighborhood, but we're still friends. And he calls me up and he's like, Hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. Do you think anybody would want to listen to a podcast about Frasier? And I said, no, not really. I don't think anybody (laughs) would listen to that. And I said, if you wanted to do a podcast on Cheers, that's something that probably you'd have an audience for. And he's like, well, Frasier is better than Cheers. And I'm like, dude, are you crazy? And then 10 minutes later, I called him up and I said, why don't we do this as a podcast together where you pick a thing and I pick a thing and I explain why you're wrong. And then what it ends up being is just, we do like this. We geek out about the movies or the music or whatever for two hours. And at the very end he goes, well, I like this one better. And I say, well, I like this one better and you're stupid. And then that was, that's it. That's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, men of a certain age, they can't talk about feelings. So they, they quote movies to each other. You know, I mean, that's 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 how we we can't. In fact, someone made the observation that men have to go look at a third thing to talk. So it could be a sporting event. It could be a movie. Uh, uh, Now, like Ryan and I, we play video games with some other fellas and it's really just our male support group. Like as long as we're like blowing shit out and be like, how'd that prostate prostate exam go, Hank? Oh, man, I guess. okay. I don't know. Like we're getting the results back tomorrow. Look out! He's on the left. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just men can't look in each other's eyes and share like deep emotional like truths. But we can like do it while we're doing something else. Basically, fishing is like that. You know, you look at the water, hunting. Yep, that's an excellent Um, point. I hadn't really thought. Yeah, I mean that's That's absolutely one hundred percent true. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. You know, I like, I like shooting skeet, like fish, you know, you know, it's just, but that's what it is. I mean, I think we came to that realization over COVID when we were playing this thing. And if somebody couldn't make it, we were like, oh, we miss him and and realized it really was this emotional lifeline in this COVID, like trapped inside and you're not, you can't talk to people. Maybe you have, you know, a loved one or something, but even your family, you get sick of and, you know, for men especially, it's like, I don't know, my wife's kind of freaking out on COVID. How's your wife doing? Oh, you just slip a little robitussin in her coffee. You know, plus, plus, we have to take our toxic masculinity underground. That's oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the, on the pirate radio of the podcast. <laughs> The locker room talk, if you will. Yeah. As, the, as the kids say. Okay. So that is better than thrill. I'm just going to throw it. Oh my gosh. Would you stop? <laughs> okay. So just a, a couple of matchups. I'm just going to throw them out there. Ryan, you first. 
Braveheart or Gladiator? Ooh. Do you want just off the cuff, like yes. simple answers? No, no, go do your research and come back and talk to us. Reflex. <laughs> Gladiator. Gladiator. Yes, thank you. All right, move on. That, that, I, look, if we're gonna have po- a little post mortem on not, that, it's not. It's not a knockout. It's not a knockout. No, it's, it's a, a that's a very hard. Good, it's good. A, that's see, that's a good versus thing because I hate when they're easy. They're they're that's a I hate when it's a Don King, just like glass jawed bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> that's a t- that's a tough one because that was a tough one. Those are two heavyweights, I think. Well, that's yeah, that's kind of what we do. Both we with sad. We, if it's too so. easy, if it's too lopsided, when we're figuring out our matchups, I'm like, this is too easy. This is by the way, easy. by the way, new film being prepped, Gladiator Two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> um, but yeah. like, if you said if you if you said Gladiator and the Patriot, I think that's like I would go straight to Gladiator. Right? Or well, I would go. Bra- I would go. I would go Gibson to Gibson, Braveheart to Braveheart to Patriot. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's, okay. a, that's, that's definitely tough. Braveheart. How about this one? Okay, I think it's here's, Braveheart. A, here's another. I do love the Patriot. Though. I think so. Yeah. Okay, Jaws, Jurassic Park. Oh. pure filmmaking pure like just i'm going to study this as like a tome like the one thing i get to study it's jaws there is no scene i would argue there is no scene in a movie that is as good or i put it up against almost any scene of those three men sitting in the boat no special asking asking about the tattoo on his arm and talking about USS the USS Indianapolis. Indianapolis after they sing the song and it's all quiet on the Western front. And then they talks about 360 again, <laughs> male, male bonding. Yeah. Do it for real. I'm scared. This thing's going to eat us. They can't say that they have to get drunk and then they have to compare war stories. But real stars, they literally compare. Stars. I'm scared. Will you hug me? No, that's gay. You know, so like that scene alone, I mean, so Shaw was a legendary drinker. He was too hammered to do it day one. Completely plots the whole movie. They they just, Spielberg just was like, all right, we're done. He was very apologetic. He went home, he sobered up, he nailed it in the morning, hung over off his rocker. And you can, if you, my favorite is watch Dreyfus. He's just, it's Richard Dreyfus, like, holy shit. Like, it's not, it's not uh, Matt Hooper. It's, uh, it's R- Dreyfus, like, oh my. He's, God. he's watching a guy just firing, crush, just crush, just yeah. completely firing, crush firing, firing. He's just like, oh, I better not slip and br- blow this take, you know? Well, and Dreyfus and Dreyfus and Shaw had the same relationship that Hooper and Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they totally did. They were, they, they totally had that animosity relationship. And so. <laughs> It's perfect that he would be reacting that way. And seriously, anyone out there on this podcast who hasn't seen Jaws or revisited Jaws because they think whatever about Jaws. Well, filmmakers, especially anybody who aspires to be. There's one, there's a, there's a, what's that YouTube? Every scene, a portrait or something, every scene, a painting. I forget. I'm, I'm bad, but there's an incredible deconstructionist guy on YouTube and he will show a scene from a filmmaker and why it's great. And he talks about the Spielberg wonder 
And he shows two examples. One of them is the scene in the meeting jaw with the all the shark jaws on the wall. That's all one shot. It's just the camera moves a little bit. It sits there. The characters move. They dance around. The character, the camera moves a little bit. It's just like economy. They tell all this bullshit story, Basil exposition, but in such a cool, fast way. It's a one shot and you're done. And the other one is Close Encounters, which we actually deconstructed on our show with Tony Jaswinski, the guy who wrote The Shallows. And he said, this is a study in suspense. It's the most boring scene, boring shot ever. A guy sitting at a terminal watching a radar thing go around. But it, in one shot, it goes from like, oh yeah, take a left, uh, Al Alameda 7, you know, Northwest 10 miles, blah, 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 to beep, 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 beep. Oh my God, what is that? Look out! And there's 10 guys that slowly creep into the frame and they're all leaning over this, like the screens on the corner and they're all perfectly framing the one guy that was just boring. And now they're all leaning in and they're all like, call the military. What is that? Da, 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 da. Like just all one shot. You completely are scared for them. It's just sound and these faces and that, that kind of stuff is jaws is everything is it here's the ready for the analogy that was the band's first album is the best because they had their whole lives to write it right that was the one where he's like if they're gonna let me do it i'm gonna do it grass park's great but jaws is the album that like i want the tattoo of i don't really care about the fourth album by but the way we both agree with both of you on that one <laughs> The, the other the other thing about that that scene in Close Encounters is that it takes you from the completely mundane of air traffic control in that environment, and then it it by the way in Indianapolis, and then it goes ratchets it ratchets it ratchets it up to the point to the cliff top where then at the very end he says, "Flight whatever do you want to do you want to report." You want? Do you have something to report? And he's like, "No, it's our nothing to report." And it just drops you off. It just is like right back to where you come come from. And that and that is something that Spielberg does expertly and always does. Will take you to the not in every film that he does, but but in in really 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 good scenes he can do that. And there is nothing like the close encounter scene. And and I'm sure there's others that we're, we're missing or that we could sit here and talk about for hours. But the, the Jaws scene where he talks about the USS Indianapolis, those two scenes are cinema John, professional. John Milius with the assist, too. I was, just about to, I was just about to ask you guys if you've seen Milius, if you've seen the documentary. Yeah, I love, I, I love yeah. Milius. I knew all that beforehand, but yeah, it's a good movie. What a character. I would say that my favorite, here, here's a real, here's a deep cut comparison do you so and here's why so spielberg is credited with jaws but milius wrote that scene and he literally reached out and he's like i need something give me a little shush and that's what he came up with godfather is coppola's movie but he reached out to what famous screenwriter for like i need a zhuzh rewrite 
in the relationship scene between Michael and his father after his father comes back from the hospital. I don't know, Senator Colleon, governor, something. There was never enough time, Michael. Yeah. Who wrote that scene? You know what I'm talking about? Pop, we, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And I don't cover that. I don't remember that part. No, who wrote it? The uh, Robert Town from Chinatown. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. So he called, I, in, I, he called I, in a favor. The, the like famous assist shot where like, the, let's call it the Scotty Pippen screenwriter award. <laughs> uh, where it's a famous film that you know, like it's their centerpiece thing, but your favorite part of it was like a three pointer, you right. know, that like, that saved the game. That those are fascinating moments, you know, like looking at those two scenes because they stand alone. You could argue that they represent the theme of the film in a single shot, in a single two minute sequence. Everything, you know, Coppola is famous for saying if your movie isn't about one word, then you got the wrong script. Interesting. Nice. So, okay, okay, Maestro, what's Godfather? Oh, that's easy. Succession. The question of succession. And so that move that that scene is the pivot. Okay, Dad, I got you. I got us. That last, you know, that's what he says. I got us. He's in charge now. He's the boss. Hmm. Right. And then with the with with Jaws, there, you know, all things look dark. You know, one of them is gonna die the next day. You know, what is it to be a man? You know, it's all there. You know, here's why I don't wear a life preserver. And, you know, so it's just that's what you hope for is that your script and your film, that every line of dialogue can be a line against your theme. And you look at it afterwards like, well, duh, God, he was beating us over the head. We didn't even see it. Yeah. You never know. If you if you, you want to know why you, I love it, you just feel it. The scenes are why I love film, you know, and 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 it's it's so ineffable. You, you you, I probably won't reach it, but I'll keep reaching for it. It's fantastic, guys. I we could probably talk for the next. Oh no, give us give us days. one more. Give us yeah, one, one more. One more. One more. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this open. So do you this this matchup? Do you want movies or do you want music? I want starting foreigners for the Pacers, 1979-82. I'd go okay. movie. I'd go movies just to keep it in okay. line. But okay. So two favorites from the 80s, pure 80s movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark or Back to the Future. Oof. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a 70s movie. Back to the Future. Ding. <laughs> is Raiders 79? No, Raiders, Raiders is a Hold on. Raiders was made in the 70s. The protagonist is an anti-hero. The, he wins nothing and he fails at everything. It's a 70s movie. 70s Back, style. It, it came out in 81, but I'm saying it was... No, it, it, that's, a, that's a technicality. It's copyright, isn't it? <laughs> the, the 80s didn't start until 84, and Back to the Future is 85. Well, so I, I have heard that argument before, but I've never heard of a six-year-long decade. So, <laughs> no, but then the '80s continued to '94, 
And then 95 was heat, pulp fiction, like our modern era, sort of. Yeah, but this is playing with the man's question. Let's not do that. <laughs> I will go Raiders. So what's the most 80s movie? No, no, no. What's the best Just which, is, which, which would you, which do you pick? Oh, I, I misunderstood. You yeah, said you what's the best, what's the best movie. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the best? Uh, Raider, Raiders are best. Put them on a scale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, Raiders is a way better movie. Sorry. Wasted your time. Have you, have you guys ever read the story about how guess that one two and three i forget what the term is it plays back on itself have you ever read this theory it plays oh, back it's on it's itself or something like all the scenes so are... if you if you watch back to future one two and three the movie goes from the start of one to the middle of two and then starts playing in reverse all the scenes the play reverse. Thing is like uh, 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 the wow. middle two is a is an inflection point where yeah, all- there's a there's a there's a term of for what this is in storytelling, but it, it apparently goes scene by scene. The there's a breakdown. There's a couple of breakdowns online about it. It is fascinating. Wow, so, I got to check that out for sure. I'm not oh, sure. Is- a, what's the musical term? The like the uh, reprise. Or something, right? It turns back in on itself. I can't remember. Now I have to look it up. I have to look it up. Anyway, it's it's a fascinating thing to anyone who wants to jump down a rabbit hole one night. But Back to the Future playing back on itself is, and is I you- I I've watched some stuff about it, and I happen to like one, two, and three. I remember seeing them in the theaters. It's it, but- Bob Gale. It's amazing. I mean, some people call that the best script ever. Arguably, I mean, it's it's ironclad in terms of like all the yeah. books and structures and this and that but uh, did you know what the original vehicle was yeah the refrigerator yeah <laughs> the stupid indiana jones refrigerator. Indiana jones, yeah Let's, but that's the connector you, on you the movie the show not be named yes <laughs> connector yes did you know that ryan no what is it it was an old refrigerator that was magic or something or that's what he used to put the device the capacitor on you stepped into a refrigerator i never heard that and somebody said like kids are going to be suffocating in old refrigerators okay one last one not a movie you can so so we can we can jump on this okay you ready van halen or van hagar van halen yeah sorry although i've seen halen more time i've seen hagar more times though yeah, I, say Van Halen. I saw Halen once. I saw Hagar twice. It's Halen. Yeah, I'd say Van Halen. He wins a couple. I win a couple. <laughs> it, all, it all works itself out. Yeah. Here's so here's what I say. Uh, there's two. There's one important thing you got to understand about criticism for me now, which is, by the way, treat yourself. Google high voltage reviews. Just some of the best comedy writing of all time. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm not even kidding. Like, please don't, please don't read those. It's a ring. <laughs> it's just produced Very by. Sad. Don't do it. Anyway, so no. The wait, I I digress so far. I fell off the cliff. What, what were we talking about? Van Halen and Van Halen. views. Van Halen. I forget. Whatever. I'm I'm out of juice. That's right. <laughs> That's all right. Oh my god, he, he actually ran out of juice. This is like first time ever. The tank is the tank is empty. So before we go, guys, tell No, what was it? There was something 
I don't know. Sorry. All right. What was the last question? Tell it, tell everybody where they can find you podcasts, movies, anything that you want people to be checking you out on. Tell us where to go. Alex, you, you know, this pretty well. Yeah. So, okay. Well, a couple, three things, Ryan, do you have any release dates coming out for your stuff? No, God's country released over the holiday or right before the holiday. I would advise everyone to check that out. That's a fantastic God's country. movie. God's Sundance, country. Sundance. Well, it was a really, it's a really good movie. I, I believe. Starring. Starring. Not Zoe Saldana. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to say her name because I always say it wrong. Well, From Westworld. Yeah, from Westworld. Why can't I remember her name? This Mrs. Newton. Oh, Tandy Way. Tandy starring Tandy Way Newton. Tandy Way. But that's not her real name. Her real name is Tandy Way Newton. And she was fantastic. Great. Yeah. Apologies for not remembering the name. It caught me off guard. It's like it's basically like straw dogs with a woman. It's great. It's Um, it's really it's a it's a very cold movie and it's very yeah i it was i spent a lot of time in very cold montana making that movie yeah but uh, that came out anything else coming this year no uh, well i i did just get i did just get done doing another film but i can't say anything about it yet and and hopefully this hope i, I was hoping it would come out in october but slother house should be releasing soon and then that and then hopefully alex and i will go back to work on Firebird in the first at the you know first part of the second quarter, and that'll come out by the end of the year. I would hope that's going to be a fun. Oh, one. That would be amazing, probably. Um, but but meanwhile, Project Greenlight has another reboot coming in March. Issa Rae, the celebrated star of HBO, now is a producer there. They said anything you want in our library. She said Project Greenlight. Which is wow. So she did a short film digital contest for us many years ago that she won, and she said it changed her life. She wanted to give back. It's amazing. So she's going to do all women of color directors this year, and it's coming in March, and it's fantastic, and we're very proud of it. We're very excited. Matt and Ben have turned the baton over to Issa. So it's her production and she's, she's all over it and the creative force now. And it's, it's really exciting. So as far as day to day, we are launching season two, season one of of how I got greenlit is on a platform near you. Season two will be coming probably early March. We're recording now have some great names lined up. That's going really well. And as we open, as we get more shows and we get better, better guests seem to come to us, which is really gratifying. In the film business, you tend to chase talent around the block and back again. So it's nice to have introductions and inquiries, and it's really great. So we're very excited about that. You can check us out how I got well, how I got greenlit at Twitter and Instagram and how I got greenlit 
at Gmail if you want to tell us why we're bad. Please email us for the love of Christ. Just email (laughs) us. Tell us something. Somebody email us out there. How I got greenlit at gmail.com. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. I got one more. I got one more thing to promote though. I've been working on, uh, do you guys know who Arturo Gotti was? He was a boxer. He was was murdered or they said he committed suicide. I've been working on a doc about Arturo Gotti, which hopefully will come out later this year, but it's a, it's about a a really talented boxer who unfortunately died. He went to Brazil and unfortunately ended up dead. And uh, he was a, it's kind of like a true crime thing. And his, they said he committed suicide, but, it look really when you look at all the evidence it seems like his wife killed him and wow. she got away yeah. with it i i don't want to say that because everyone needs to see you know obviously she was cleared in courts and stuff but it's kind of like one of those true crime stories that'll be coming out hopefully later this year and that it's That's it's actually best. quite good yeah that sounds um, great if you're into if you're into true crime stuff and it and his family is super they just want answers, you know. I think he was he died about eight years ago and he was a fantastic talent, just fantastic talent. And unfortunately, he was he died. But other than that, guys, thank you for having us on. Thank yes, you so thank you so much. It's been great getting to talk to you, talk movies. This is exactly what we love doing. Could it's really been fun. Yeah, it any, any so. time we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, we're gonna. You guys want to do it again? We'll, we're up to do it again. We'll we'll do it again. This was fun. Yeah, come yeah. by, come by and visit. Love awesome. yeah. We'll go. We'll go to the Star Wars Museum together. Whenever <laughs> hey, that's I'm that's. Fired up about that. <laughs> yeah, that's so you know problem. what I want to do? I want to go to one three zero seven Van Nuys Boulevard and just you know see what where it used to be, where where ILM used to be. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or and then that same trip goes see the Back to the Future at Marty's house. That's that's all still out there too. Nice. And the Nightmare on Elm Street and Brady Bunch. We can do the whole tour. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Thank you guys so much, Shirley fans. Be sure and go subscribe to the How I Got Greenlit podcast. It is like I said, I'm not just fluffing here. This is really good stuff. Same type of stuff that we like to talk about about how movies came to be. But this is directly from the guys who made them. So be sure and go check that out. Thank you guys so much. Couldn't couldn't have asked for a better episode. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. You guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you.